be out this evening. It has been a long time. I think we were uh, must have been on vacation or something uh, the last time, and uh, so I'm anxious to get back in. Um, I don't want to say I was anxious to get out of chapter 11, but I was anxious to get through it. Uh, it was a tough chapter, uh, and we'll be reviewing some of it, but I am anxious about chapter 12. Um, it's, just a, it's just a wonderful thing, the way God works uh, uh, in our lives, in a believer's life, and it's just a great thing. But let's ask God to, to bless us tonight. Lord, we do pray that you'll help us. Lord, I'm thankful for what we've heard this morning. Uh, what a blessing that has been. And Lord, I pray, uh, as was spoken about, about everything pointing to you, I pray that that'll be the case tonight. Lord, I pray that you'll help us. Uh, it's been a tough week uh, for me and somewhat confusing. And not. I pray that you'll give me clarity of thought. I pray that you'll forgive me of my sins. And Lord, that you'll just help us with this, that you'll be honored in it all. Lord, we continue to pray for our pastor and his wife as they're away and just ask your blessings upon them as they travel back this week now we thank you in christ's name amen but in second samuel chapter 12 uh, i guess if i was going to title this i would say personal and with purpose uh, you know the word is always given to us uh, as an example as a as a as a training as a teaching as a correction uh, as a warning you know do not enter uh, some places are like that you know like there in Proverbs where it talks about the bird and it talks about the net being out there and the bird's like <laughs> no I see the net I'm not going there but you know sometimes we're not as smart as the bird uh, the bird's a lot smarter you know we're warned over and over about traps Proverbs is full of warnings about traps uh, that are out there and the good thing about this about looking at at David's sin here it ought to be a warning to us and especially you know as we've heard so much recently about people falling away uh, from the faith men of God uh, pastors and things like that and that ought to scare us to death and so we ought to take heed uh, to the warnings that we have here but you remember in chapters 9 and 10 David was going about looking for ways to bless others what a wonderful way to live, you know? I mean, that's the way we ought to be. We ought to always be looking for ways that we can bless other people and uh, and not live our lives just to ourselves. You remember with Mephibosheth, he went out looking. You know, I, you know, Mephibosheth, I, I was friends with your dad. We knew each other well. We were very good friends. And I made a promise to him, you know, that, that I would take care of, of any of his uh, children and that that lineage would not die out. And now that I found you, I want you to know that I'm going to take care of you. And not only am I just going to send something to you, you can come live with me and uh, you can eat at my table all the time. You'll have nothing to worry about. But remember, he showed him that night in chapter 9. And then in chapter 10, uh, uh, it was um, uh, Hanan, Hanan. Uh, when Hanan's the Amorite when his dad had died David wanted to show kindness to him and remember he sent men over there and they weren't nice to David's men uh, but anyway he was making those attempts to show kindness to, to everybody he, he could and then and uh, we were in chapter 12 now we had 9-10 and then in chapter 12 we see a different David 
You know, and the question is, what happened? Well, you got chapters 9 and 10, you got chapter 11, I mean chapter 12, so chapter 11 is what happened uh, to David and his whole difference and his uh, attitude and in his relationship with God. Uh, but, you know, David's our hero. David's like 50, 51 years old at this point. And the reason I bring that up, I'm saying about that age, I don't know it for sure, but it's somewhere in that, that area, is that sin isn't just on the youth. You know, it's not just a, a, a lustful thing among young people, but this was a, an, an act with, an, with somebody, you know, that's 50 years old. <clears throat> he commits his terrible sin with Bathsheba, who was probably in her early 20s. Uh, but just a terrible thing to commit this sin with a with a young married woman on top of that and you know the story she becomes pregnant and David uh, has her husband Uriah killed and then David makes some fig uniforms for him and Bathsheba to wear you know we got to cover this thing up you know and and I and you know what what color I think of when I think about a fig uniform, I think about that orange uniform. You know, some of them are solid orange. Some of them have orange with white stripes on them. But that's the kind of uniform that I think about when I think about being into sin. And it was monogram. You know, across the back, they had a big monogram going across the back, said inmate. You know, that's the way it is. When we fall into sin like that, we become a prisoner, you know, to that. And and David thought he had it all covered up. Everything's taken care of. But if you look at that last sentence in chapter 11, it's all taken care of, except... Remember we talked about connecting words and and but, and it says, but the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. Yeah, you, you, got, you got by with everything, David. You got it all covered up. But you didn't. You know, you didn't get it all covered up. Because what you did displeased God, and he's not happy with that. How does this happen? How does this happen? How do we go from, from praising God, looking for people to help, blessing other people, to end up like this, in such a sin? And like I said, we hear about it all too often. It ought to scare us to death. And it ought to... You know, we shouldn't just have our guards up. We ought to have our guards up and our guards up and our guards up. Because it's a, it's a terrible thing and it's out there. You know, I think about that. I think about how does this happen? Oh, well, we've got two co-workers working together at the plant. And, and you know, they're there for 12 hours, day shift and night shift. You know, they just get, they come to work and they're at odds with their mate. And then they share too much information with one another. And things, things, you know, go south on that. Or they carpool together, spend too much time together. Um, you know, you, you you see about the the secretary and her boss, or the boss and somebody else, the doctor and a nurse, uh, personal trainers, and their the person that they're training, or a counselor and their patient. You got to be careful with all those things. It's a trap. There's a net there. And we see it, and we ought to fly away. We ought to fly just as fast as we can. But David had let his guard down. Remember, he stayed back in, in Jerusalem when all the men went out. It was time to go to war. And David had stayed back. Remember, we talked about David. He was, 
He was AWOL. He was away without leave. He was away without permission. He was away from God. You know what happened was David hadn't been watching and praying that he be led not into temptation. He let his guard down. It's easy to do. And we need to be careful about it. But David was, I think about David, he was just down at the beach. He was just laying out there on a floaty. He fell asleep. And the current just kind of drifting him out into the deep, dangerous waters. It's so easy for it to happen. But David was not fulfilling his duty as a king or as a child of God. What is the duty? What is our duty? Ecclesiastes tells us, you know, he says to fear God and keep his commandments. What commandments had David broken? All of them. I mean, if you pretty much look at it, he broke every one of them. You know, and pretty much that's the way it is when we sin. We break almost every commandment when we break, uh, when we when we sin. But God said there, or uh, it was said here that, but the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. He was not doing those things that pleased God. His affection was not set on things above. He was not loving God with, his, with all of his heart, mind, soul, and strength. He was not loving God and treating his neighbor as himself. Now, I bring up ages and I bring up timelines, you know, as, as best I can. Um, but you think about this. This sin has happened almost a year ago. David's been out of fellowship with God for over for a year. I mean, he was out actually out of fellowship with God when he didn't go uh, out to war. David's lost his focus. David's affections have gone from things above to things below. And I'm just trying to show you a progression here of the way that sin many times goes or most of the time goes. But David's concern has been to please David, not to please God. And that's a bad spot to be in. You know, there in Romans says that they are uh, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. It's not that we won't or don't. We can't. But David's at a point here where he has no power, has no prayer, has no fellowship. He's not playing the harp anymore. He's not singing the songs of Zion. His, his life is at a very low point. And it's gone on for almost a year. In Psalms 32 there, and if you wanted to look at two other Psalms later on, you could look at 32 and you could look at 51, good songs to, to, to look at. And we may have to uh, get into those Psalms again the next time, if the Lord gives us the next time. But I believe David in Psalms 32 is talking about that. Uh, he says, when I kept silence, my bones waxed old. You know, I had a younger sister who died about five years ago. She smoked quite a bit. And and somebody had seen her, and they were like, wow, your sister looks older than your mother does. You know, it took a toll on her, all the cigarettes that she smoked. 
But you know, sin will take a toll on you and it'll give you that. And I think that's the way it was with David here. That year I think was a tough year on David. And perhaps he started looking older or feeling older, talking about uh, about his bones. Uh, and uh, he says, when I kept silence, my bones waxed old. But in chapter 12 here, <clears throat> we see several things in that first verse. And I want to go ahead and read the 14 verses that we're going to just kind of go over tonight. It says, And the Lord sent Nathan unto David. And he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished up, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was come unto him, but took the man's but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he had did this thing and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul and I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah and if that had been too little I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with a sword and hast taken his wife to be thy wife and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house because thou hast despised me and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house, and I will take thy wives before thine eyes and give them unto thy neighbor, and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son. For thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the son. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. Howbeit, because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. So we see that David has been out of fellowship, like I said, for a long time. And we see here that God has initiated. Who's the initiator? The Lord is. It says, the Lord sent Nathan. So we see the instrument that's used, the, the preacher, the word, uh, the person, is Nathan that is sent. 
And of course, the recipient of it is the child of God, is David. This was personal, and it was with purpose. You know, I like reading through the New Testament, and when I do and I see everything that Christ does is with purpose. It's personal, and it's with purpose. Everything that he did. You know, you think about the miracles. You think about the healings. Uh, you think about, you know, when he was 12 and in the temple. Uh, everything he did had purpose behind it. Uh, everywhere he went, you know, he said, I have needs to go there, uh, to go to Samaria, the woman there at the well. You know, and even when he was writing in the sand with his finger, you know, a lot of people say he was, you know, perhaps he was just doodling right there. I don't think so. I think he was writing something out because that was just, that was just his style. That was just the way he did things, you know. It was always with purpose. I could be totally wrong on that, that maybe he was and he's just giving people time to think about what he had already said but it just seems to me that he did everything so much with purpose that i would think there he's writing something down because people fell under conviction those men from the oldest to the youngest you know they got out of there um, but we see here that um as uh and we want to look at the character we have nathan remember nathan this isn't nathan new on the scene Remember when Nathan there, and when we studied, it seems like forever ago, in chapter 7, uh, David says, I want to build God a house. You know, I live in this big, beautiful place. I want to build God a house. And Nathan says, hey, David, I agree. Go ahead. Go ahead. You remember what happened? God told Nathan that night. He said, uh-uh, David's not going to build me a house. You go back there and tell him, no, that he's not going to build me a house. So he goes back and tells him, you know, one of uh, David's sons was named Nathan. So there's a good relationship there with those two. I believe that they had had uh, counseling and times together, you know, a lot. So there's a good relationship between the two of them. But this event here is personal, and it's with purpose, like everything really that God does. But we see here that... Um, in this, the Lord has sent Nathan to talk to David. And like I said, I'm sure they had a lot of discussions uh, before. So it's not like Dave, David's a new, uh, Nathan's a new person coming on the scene. But anyway, we look at this, and it says that there's two men. As somebody said this morning, Chris said this morning, talks about a contrast. You know, there's two men in the same city. This is a big contrast. You got one that's very rich, extremely rich, and the other is a poor man. They're in the same city. So perhaps of the same tribe, under the same government, maybe the same religion, went to the same church, served the same God. And I know this is a, a, a picture that he's painting here, but these are possibilities because it's all in the same city. I'm just trying to get you to see two men in the same city. But the rich man had an abundance. He had a multitude of flocks and herds, or today we might say stocks and bonds. This guy's filthy rich. He's probably famous. Probably people know him. Usually rich people are, are known. Uh, and so he's got, he's got fame. He's got uh, fortune. He's got it all. But you know, the poor man is an honorable man. Even though he's poor, you know, he has very little. He's got one little lamb. 
which he had saved up and bought. It says he bought it. Nobody gave it to him. He purchased it. You know, he may even have got it from the rescue shelter. But this man, he was content with his life. He was content with the affections of things above. I believe he was a very good man. You know, it says that he, I think he tenderly cared for it. Now, I don't know if, if this little lamb needed a lot of attention, needed a lot of care, needed, uh, you know, had some problems with it and had to be uh, nurtured, but that's what it says. It says he nurtured this animal. So he tenderly cared and nurtured the lamb. The, the lamb was loved, truly loved by, by the man. Was loved by his children. You know, it was like a pet to him. You know, if it was a dog, if it would have been a dog, you know, some dogs just, they're happy all the time. That tail's just going like that all the time. You know, some cats seem to be like that. They're just purring, purring, purring constantly. You know, and I believe the way this, that's the way this lamb was. It was just loved by the family and loved the family. But it says here, a traveler is passing through. Now, this guy's a traveler. He's not looking, he's not looking to, for a permanent stay. He's just passing through. You know, his name is given in another book, and we'll look at that, you know, in a minute. But, it, but you know, when it says this about this traveler, it sounds like Satan going about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You know, that's what I think of when I think about this traveler. Or, you know, it's like the insurance company. The, I'm not saying anything bad about the insurance company because I came out, kind of came out wrong. I'm just saying the insurance commercial, I should have said that. You know, the guy Mayhem, you know, that's the way this traveler was. He was just going around just looking to, to, to destroy something, just to cause havoc. Uh, kind of like a tornado, you know. Tornado doesn't stay long. It doesn't come. They don't come here and visit, you know, and you got this storm forever and ever. They just come in, they destroy a lot of stuff, and they move on. And that's the way this traveler was. So the rich man, he wants to feed the traveler. He wants to feed him the best he can. But he doesn't want to do it at his expense. He wants to do it at somebody else's expense. You know, who is this traveler? Is this some kind of dignitary? Is this kind of some kind of important person? Uh, perhaps somebody of a high position? No. What does it say who he is? It says the Bible calls him a wayfaring man. This is a wonderer. This is a drifter. This is a nomad. And you want to feed him the best there is at somebody else's expense? You know, so the rich man, he goes ahead and he steals the poor man's sheep. His only sheep. He kills the lamb. He marinates it. And he feeds this tender little lamb to the drifter. And you had to scratch your head. Why? Why? You know, I told you that the, this traveler's name is in another book. It's in a book we've been studying. It's in the book of James. His name is Mr. Lust. And he's pretty good, so he may even, he's pretty well educated, so maybe we might even call him Dr. Lust. But Mr. Lust has been there and he's been fed. 
you know, Mr. Law says, you know, he tells the rich man, he said, that was really good. He said, appreciate it. He said, if I, you know, perhaps if I'm in this area again, I'll stop by again. David hears this story and his blood pressure goes sky high. His heart rate is off the chart when he's told this story. You know, this is a terrible thing to do. But you know, stealing somebody's lamb is not a capital offense. You know, yeah, you will have to restore it fourfold, but it's not a death penalty offense. And I think this point is getting across to David very well. Uh, I think he's, he's, he's taking in everything that's said. David says, who is this man? Give me his name, for he shall surely die. Nathan says, he pulls out his cell phone or a mirror. He says, I can do better than that. I can give you a picture of him. He pulls out that mirror and says, David, you're the man. You're the one. You know, Nathan doesn't just stop there and wait for David to re for a rebuttal, but he goes on and, he's, and tells David why. He says, he continues to tell David about all the good things God has done for him. You know, what has Nathan done here? Nathan has pulled that AID off the wall and he's brought it over there to get David's attention and he put it on and he told everybody, clear, and he shocks David and puts his heart back into the rhythm. You know, now some of you medical people may say, oh, you got that wrong, that's the AED. No, that's for external. This is for internal. So uh, so that's why uh, Nathan had to use that one. But anyway, he gets David's heart right. It's, it's beating. It's in rhythm as it should be. And Nathan explains God's goodness to David. He said, David, you are nothing. And God made you a king. God protected you from Saul. He gave you your master's wives. He made you king over Judah and Israel. He's done everything for you. He protected you from Saul when Saul was trying to kill you. He's done everything for you. But David, if that wasn't enough, he would have he given you more. But you weren't satisfied. But you know, in verse 13, it says, And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. You know, that was a turning point right there. What's David saying? He says, I'm guilty, I'm guilty, I'm guilty, I'm guilty. I realize it. It's me. I own it. If you look in Psalm 51, David says there, you know, he's saying, I own this. This is my sin. I am guilty. I am responsible for it. You know, when I look at this, I think it took David a year to repent how long did it take God to forgive like that as soon as he confessed it God forgave it God didn't say hey tit for tat you know I'll forgive it in a year you you waited a whole year and I had to come to you and and you didn't repent for a year and now you've repented now I'll forgive you but you're gonna you know it's gonna be a year uh -uh. as soon as he confessed it God forgave it now, there were 
penalties. There were, uh, I should say, there was, um, what's the word that I want to use? What's the word whenever something happens? There's uh, con consequences. That's the word I was looking for. Uh, but yes, um, and David reads off. I mean, Nathan reads off all the charges against David, and Nathan tells him, hey, there's going to be some consequences. But like I said, God was quick to forgive. You know, sometimes people get excited when things happen. If their team wins uh, a championship or a Super Bowl or something like that, you know. But this is something to get excited about. You know, sometimes people get excited about winning the lottery. Let's say that the you you win the lottery and it's a billion dollars. Would would you jump up and down and say, "Oh, that's great and wonderful"? You might. But what if you're an inmate and you're you're going to serve a life sentence with no chance of parole, and you win the lottery? Big deal. Who cares? You know. So this is a big deal. If your life is not only being spared, David, you deserve capital punishment. The punishment for adultery is, it's a capital offense. It's death. But David, your sins are forgiven. You're not going to die. What a wonderful thing that is. Uh, as, uh, as we look at uh, you know, David there for that year, like I said, he hadn't played the harp, hadn't sung the songs of Zion, and now he's able to dust that harp off. His relationship with the Lord has been restored. He's able to sing those songs of Zion. And not only is he singing them, he's writing songs for us so we can sing some of those songs. You know, there's a song I was talking about earlier with Chris. You know, my chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. What a wonderful thing. You know, it doesn't matter if if we're caught up. We may get by with something, but if there's still, if we're still under that bondage of that sin, we, what good is a million dollars or a billion dollars or anything else? You know, when I think about people you know, like people that were great people in the Bible. You had uh, you had Naaman, the leper. You know, it talked about all the things he was and, and all the, how important he was. But what's the last few words of that? It says, but he was a leper. What a, what a, you know, what a terrible thing to have hang on you. But you know, he was cleansed of that leprosy. You know, what a great thing to be cleansed of our sins. David had to be just rejoicing, you know, just, oh, I committed adultery. I've committed murder, and my sins are forgiven. What a great and wonderful thing that is. It's the greatest thing that David could have ever heard. But, you know, he goes on, Nathan goes on and tells him, he said, but, David... He said, the child will die. Sin cannot go unpunished. It's going to be punished. And you will live, but the child will die. You know, what a picture 
of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're the one that should die for our sins. But he died in our place. Sin had to be paid for. It could not. God will not let it go on unpunished. You know, as David was a youth, he thought he was nobody. And then he became king, and he really thought he was somebody. But you know, after this episode, he realized God's everything. And what a what a wonderful lesson to learn that David learned. You know, so as we as we go out, let us be cautious. You know, if 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 there was a high crime area, uh, and we know where some of them are, and we stay away from them. But it's the same thing. As we see all these various sins going on, we need to be careful. We need to stay away from those areas. We need to keep our guards up. And we need to do those things that please God. You know, how many times did he say in the New Testament uh, different things about uh, being pleased? He always talked about his son. And he didn't say he was pleased with his son. What did he say about with his son? Remember what he said about his son? He says, I'm well pleased. I'm really, really pleased with him. So we ought to do those things that please God and not those things that please us. We should never hear those words in chapter 11. But the thing that Gary did had, had displeased the Lord. May we not hear that. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word and how precious it is. And Lord, what a, what a reminder it is when we take... Uh, a godly man like David and see him uh, fall into sin Lord and I think about how strong he was and how close his fellowship was with you and I think about my own life and think about how weak I am and Lord how easy it would be to fall into those things Lord and I pray that you'll keep me from those sins keep me from any sin Lord and may the communion with you be sweet Lord, I just pray that you'll help us, Lord. Uh, pray for those that we've spoke about recently that have fallen into these sins. Lord, I pray that you'll send a Nathan to them. Lord, I pray that you'll that you'll uh, hook up that uh, AID to them, and may they be shocked back into reality, Lord, back into uh, uh, a communion with you, Lord. May they realize that, Lord, it's their sin. May they own it. May they realize it. Lord, we just thank you for being so good. Lord, without you sending Nathan, you know, we'd all be doomed. And we're so grateful for what you do for us. Lord, we just ask that you'll continue to guard us. Pray that you'll bless us. Lord, help us to give, give us thankful hearts, Lord, for what you do for us each and every day. And we'll praise you in Christ's name. Amen.